the two parables of the two little things, the little mustard seed and the seemingly insignificant leaven in the lump. In, in both cases, what the, war, what the Lord is seeming to show us, and of course you have to remember when he was speaking these parables, the number of men and women following him was infinitesimally small compared to the community round about, let alone to the wider world. Who could have conceived when they first heard the Lord Jesus that there would be billions of men and women alive today in the world who profess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Lord of Lords. It would have seemed so insignificant. It would have seemed so tiny, so small. The context of these two parables um, is, is a wonderful context. The whole of chapter 13 of Matthew is a, is a, is a chapter about the kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom of heaven. It's about God's will that his will be done on earth. His people are not waiting for a day when they are in heaven. His people are to be bringing in heaven on earth. These, these parables are about the kingdom coming and seeming to the eyes of those who do not understand insignificant, but in God's sight, the beginning of that work which will one day cover the earth as the waters cover the seed. The parable of the sower comes in this chapter where the seed is sown, the word of God is sown, and only one-fourth, only one-fourth of the seed produces a crop. So the word of God goes out, the word of God goes out, the word of God goes out, the word of God goes out. And one-fourth produces fruit. The parable of the weeds, the word of God goes out, the word of God goes out, the word of God goes out. And unproductive weeds that sort of resemble wheat grow up. But only portion, a portion is fruitful. Jesus is relentlessly speaking through these parables to those who first heard them, the first disciples who followed him, and all of us who come to be with, uh, with one another in this house of the Lord today. He speaks so that we may see. He speaks so that we may hear and understand what the parable is telling us. And that that understanding will change how we understand our lives. But, as Jesus has to say repeatedly throughout his ministry, and still says through the scriptures, so many see but do not see. And so many hear but do not understand. Of all the things that Jesus said in the, in the life that he lived as they've been recorded for us in the word of God, it is one of the most touching and, and, and significant to me 
the last few words that you heard from the gospel this morning. When Jesus says he had come to do what had been prophesied long before, he was going to open his mouth in parables and he was going to utter what had been hidden from the foundation of the earth. Jesus begins to speak into a world things that have never been understood before, things that have never been recognized before. And that revelation, that teaching, that speaking will, in God's time, change everything. And the parables today tell us it's going on. It may not be visible to you or to me, but it's going on. A day is coming when the good seed will be harvested and the bad seed will be burned up. A day is coming when the birds of the air will nest in the fullness of what has happened. All creation will rejoice in what has happened. All peoples alive on this earth will rejoice in what has happened. That day is coming. The leaven will leaven the lump. Here we have Jesus in these parables, and then we have the Apostle Paul. Wasn't an easy reading, but, but it's a very important reading. Reread it, reread it, reread it, reread it, okay? The third chapter of the letter, first letter to the Corinthians. That, that section of 1 Corinthians is all about servant leadership. It's all about the distinction between the leadership that is necessary and the leadership that fails. We're witnessing, those of us paying attention, I suspect it's most of us, we're witnessing one of the strangest responses to a death that we've seen in our lifetime. Some of us may remember when John Paul II died, that was a a very, very, very significant death. The world seemed to stop, many in the world. The media seemed to stop. Things got focused on the death of a very old and very frail man. And the same is happening again. It's, it's reckoned, believe it, believe it or not, it is reckoned five billion people will watch the final service for Queen Elizabeth II tomorrow. Five billion. I'm not up to date on the exact number of people it's estimated alive in the world today, but I think it's somewhere around seven and a half billion. She has been a servant queen. Certainly, that title should be given to her for 70 years. They said yesterday, the line to walk past her casket was five miles long. Is it a sign from God 
Leaders are given by God for the building up of the body of Christ. I speak now of the church. The Queen of England, since the 16th century, the reigning monarch, has been set apart with prayer and the anointing of holy oil to be a servant of Jesus Christ. It will happen again soon with Charles III. Leaders are given by God for the building up of the body of Christ, that the children of God would grow up, (laughs) that we would become mature in Christ, that we would no longer be children tossed about by the waves and the turmoil and the sorrows and the wickedness of the world, as Paul says. We are to grow up into Christ. We are to become mature believers, mature women and women. And what does that mean? It means that we are to take our place in the work of God. Elizabeth, as a very young girl, recognized that she was called of God to a particular work, a particular service to God and to her nation. But every Christian, every Christian is called to grow up into the work that God has for them to do so that each part, whatever part we are to play, whether queen or housemaid, whether king or janitor, we serve aware of God's grace, God's love, God's goodness, and God's call upon us. And his desire is that we find joy in that calling, that that work. Peter, excuse me, Paul tells us today, Peter tells this as well, other places, but Paul tells us today, all leaders will give an account. The, The young people in England called Queen Elizabeth II, Lizzie Windsor which is a kind of affection. I learned that from Patrick. And she will give an account of her queenship. And it won't be judged the way the world judges. Paul says that every leader will have to give an account. And some will give an account with joy, Paul says. And some will give an account with groaning, Joy or groaning. Those who give an account with joy will have seen the life of the church flourish. They will have seen the life of the body of Christ grow with God's goodness and God's mercy and God's love. And those who give an account with groaning and with tears will see their work burnt up. Will see their work burnt up. What is Paul telling us? He's telling us that it is possible, that it is very possible to be someone who will be saved, but as through fire, with the work of a lifetime burnt up. A leader that gives an account with joy, a leader 
that gives an account with groaning and with tears. And the difference is fruitfulness for the kingdom and fruitlessness for the kingdom. We know, you know, I know that the only foundation, the only foundation upon which the work of God can flourish in God's kingdom is work that is built on Jesus Christ and him crucified. It is work that is built upon that foundation alone. And it is work that comes into conformity with his will and his stated purpose and his clear teaching. So anyone that imagines themselves built upon that foundation had better be examining their life while there's time. Because you'll give an account just like me. The work that survives, the work that survives builds up the kingdom. And the only work that builds up a kingdom is a person who obeys the king. Buildings don't build up the kingdom. Organizations don't build up the kingdom unless the buildings are used to bring more and more lives into conformity with Christ. And unless the organization brings more and more lives into conformity with Christ. And when there is conformity with Christ, there is obedience to his teaching. There is true love among brothers and sisters who dare to call themselves Christians. There is fruitfulness in their lives that will pass the test. That's the work that is meant to grow and flourish like the mustard seed. That is the work that is meant to leaven the whole lump It is meant to leaven the whole lump. The most important thing in all of life is salvation. This life is not all there is. But how sad, how sad to have been a servant of Christ who is saved at the last, but only as through fire. It's a very solemn message, I know. And it speaks to me as well as to you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I would encourage you to read over Psalm 116 this week, day by day. Just one psalm, the psalm we've already recited together. And that you, with me, would hear in that psalm, the path of our lives with what's left. That we bring whatever we're sorry for before him and we lift up the cup of salvation. We lift up our hearts to him and and give him what's left.
and let him teach us to obey. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.